fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, this is Sharks Across Hollywood, and this is week two of Halloween. Ooh. See me, I'm being all theatrical now because it's Halloween and everybody's doing weird, spooky stuff. I think it just scared everybody. They turned off the podcast. They're not listening anymore. Oh, is that what scared them? After 20 minutes of bullshitting about vinegar syndrome and how much money we spend on this dumb bullshit, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about body bags. This is John Carpenter's body bags, even though Toby Hooper directed one of the segments. It's an anthology. So this was supposed to be a pilot for... A TV show that never got picked up. It was uh, it aired on Showtime, so this is technically a made-for-TV movie. And I was like, well, what fucking station is it on with all this blood and guts? And of course, Showtime. That's they wanted their own Tales from the Crypt, I guess. Yeah, Tales from the Crypt was red hot at that time. If you like this, you got to go watch Tales from the Crypt because as much as I enjoy this, and I do, it's just not as good as most of that Tales from the Crypt. Now, you know, Tales from the Crypt was hit and miss. Sometimes it'd just be like whiff, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> They were basing them on the old EC comics, so they actually got to pull from this really great catalog of stories, whereas this is all, at least I think it's all original stories, and eh, they're not bad. Well, they are bad, but they're bad in the good way. They just don't quite measure up to... uh, to the Tales from the Crypt, at least not for me. Yeah, I like about maybe half of this. I love certain elements of it. There are certain elements of it that I just think are absolutely delightful. And there are certain elements that I'm like, okay, I can do without that again. (laughs) But I guess we should just get into it. So let's get started here. So John Carpenter. John Carpenter, this is is his foray into acting. And he does a fucking great job. He's one of my favorite parts of this whole thing. Because he's so fucking funny and I didn't know he could be funny like that. (laughs) It's really super cheesy, but it's absolutely perfect in that crypt keeper sense yeah if, if you're gonna if you're, if you're gonna f- you get you need somebody to kind of compete with the crypt keeper like this is probably the best you're gonna get unless chucky hosts his own horror anthology i gotta say um i feel like they whiffed it a little bit because they had mark hamill i feel like mark hamill could have really killed it i mean don't get me wrong carpenter's good but mark hamill could have been great but i also understand if he didn't want to host a show you know Yeah, that is true. He would have taken on some uh, longer duties than just a movie. But maybe the show actually would have gotten picked up at that point instead (laughs) of just, you know, being a a 90-minute pilot. Not that I'm complaining. I do enjoy this. John Carpenter as the coroner. That's his character's name. He's the coroner. He looks all fucked up, hair thinning. He's all gray and shit, and he's in his his scrubs and shit, and he's eating some raw-looking meat. I guess we can assume it's oh, it's, it's people. so fucking gross. Yeah. It's so gross. And he's hammered it up, just fucking sawing at this shit with some doctor tools and stuff. And he drinks formaldehyde and Tom Arnold will make a fucking comment about it later. Oh, God. How is Tom Arnold the second build person in this movie? <laughs> was he that famous back then? That he got think... billed over everybody else. Yeah, uh, he was in one. He was at the time he was in the biggest sitcom in the country. Roseanne. It was one of the biggest sitcoms in the world. Maybe not the fucking Yeah, I guess biggest. that's true. Alright, that's fair. That's fair. Still not sure how he got top billed over... Because he's Tom Arnold! Else. 
Probably because he, he wouldn't eight. do it unless he was top build. Why are we spending so much time talking about fucking Tom Arnold? I brought him up just, <laughs> That's just, a just for a good question. <laughs> just for a gag. So John Carpenter, the coroner, he's just kind of walking around. He's fucking around with some bodies and being all gross and stuff. Getting very annoyed that none of the bodies that he sees died in some horrific way. He's like, God damn it, they're all natural causes and shit. Cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> what do you say chronic anemia or something I don't know some bullshit like that there's a lot Uh, but he finds body bags you know what body bags are everybody the black bags that dead people get zipped up into he does open up this body bag and he he's just like let's see what happened with this guy or something I don't even remember what the fuck happens to him but he he cuts him open and like pulls out like a piece of his insides doesn't he and it's all gross Yes, very gross. But that brings yeah. us, that leads us to our to our first segment called The Gas Station, which is directed by John Carpenter. Yeah, the first two segments are directed by Carpenter. The last one is directed by Hooper. And I think John directed the narration sequence as well. So this one stars Alex Dasher, Dasher, D-A-T-C-H-E-R, who I had seen before, but I didn't know until I looked her up. You're going to love this one. I saw her in a movie on the Disney Channel called Up, Up, and Away, where she's the mom and a family of superheroes, and the son doesn't get his powers. So Oh, so Sky High. They then recycled that plot into Sky High, but then in Sky High he ends up getting his powers, so I don't even know what the fucking point of that whole thing was. You know you know what I'm talking about, too, because there's like, he doesn't have his powers, he doesn't have his powers. Oh, you're yes, thinking, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're it's, thinking, it's oh, like, he's going to have to, like, learn how to do this without his powers, and then nope. Nope, third of the way into the movie, he gets his powers. <laughs> right when he needs them, they pop in. That's where I know her from. I like Sky High, by the way. Oh, so do I. Yeah, I, I, I've watched that movie a bunch of times. Although I, I, I do fully recognize that that's kind of a weird, almost pointless part of the story. <laughs> him not getting his powers it's like it sets it up uh let's not even go down that road i i I could go on about that forever all right (laughs) let's just let's just keep going with the story alex datcher We'll have to cover it one day so you can get it all out of your system. Okay, uh, okay. So we're at a gas station, right? There's a there's a guy named Bill working there, which we learn here in a second. But there's a radio host talking, and they mention Haddonfield, because bad things happen at Haddonfield, apparently. Yes. So the main character's name is Anne, and she's getting a ride to work uh, by her f- to her first night of work, by the way. And there go my dogs, so just pretend that uh, that's not happening. Uh, so... It, her, apparently her car doesn't work and she she's working overnight at this gas station it seems like it's a temp job because or she's just like really shitty at keeping jobs because in a minute she'll be like oh this looks just like a gas station that i worked at last month i don't really well, know she's what a her college deal is. student she is a college student yes yeah. so she's like so. almost a, a, an almost 30 year old probably playing like a 20 year old she could get away with it oh yeah she definitely can <laughs> so she meets she meets bill who is the guy working <laughs> working at the gas station here here's another one for you this is lizzie mcguire's dad he's not he's not david carradine's brother he is lizzie mcguire's dad i was going to say he's uh the star of revenge of the nerds if you're an 80s kid like me i saw that once and i didn't like it at all <laughs> it's not a particularly good movie but he is the star of it he is and it was it was massively popular so he's just showing <laughs> he's just showing her the ropes and shit and you can see the fucking you can see the twist coming like from a mile away at this point yeah it's pretty obvious <laughs> it's it's not tough to spot so he's showing her the ropes and he's you can tell he's like he's just a little kind of a weird dude he's like there's the cash register the the prices of the cigarettes are posted outside he's a little bit more bubbly and chatty than that but you'd think he's gonna be like hey you wanna you wanna you wanna hook up later but no he doesn't do that so he's just kind of a weirdo he's not creepy yet he's definitely weird though <laughs> 
<laughs> definitely weird. The door locks automatically, which is very important. So she needs keys. So he, you know, gives her the keys and shit. He leaves. And this is where for like one split second, I'm like, you can see the twist coming. I know exactly what's going to happen. But then as he leaves, she gives him this look and I'm like, Ooh, is it going to go in a different direction? No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. She's just going to hang out and study for her psychology stuff or whatever. That is kind of the Achilles heel of this whole thing is that not a one of these stories can you not see the end from like scene one. Maybe the second one. I kind of. Okay. I didn't get exactly what it was, but you knew <laughs> it was going to go down a route of that nature. Like it, the fact that it was aliens instead of like a curse or, you know, like you knew it was going to be something fucked up. Wow. Fucking spoiler alert, man. I keep forgetting that the listeners are watching along with us. So this is just, this is like clerks. If clerks took place in Haddonfield, New Jersey, instead of Haddonfield, Illinois, that's an Illinois, <laughs> was, isn't it? And if clerks was just Dante, <laughs> just by the himself. whole time. <laughs> yeah. We get a good jump scare here. It's not a good jump scare, but it is a jump scare. Someone walks behind her and then knocks on the glass and it and buys some cigarettes. It's Wes Craven. Yeah. There's a cavalcade of horror royalty in this segment. Yeah. It, that, it's kind of the best part of the whole thing. Just seeing like, Oh, Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> he does what you'd expect. Hey, she's hot. I'm going to, I'm going to hit on her because that's what old men do. Yep. And he does it in the creepiest way yeah. possible. And you just like, Oh, it, but, She's just oh. like, no, thank you. <laughs> he, he does leave and, and leaves her alone. So that's good. The next customer, though, we like him. He's just a normal guy and from American Werewolf in London, right? Yep. Star of American Werewolf in London. David Naughton. Yep. He hits on her, too. And I'm just like, God, two for two. Like, but at the same time, he's not a creepy old man. I was going to say he's, he's younger. Like a he's younger handsome. and richer. He has a nice car and shit. <laughs> <laughs> handsome man who's just hitting middle age so you know like he, he he can get away with it a little bit better and he wasn't weird about it he just said hey you're in college right well there's a bar uh there, there there's a bar like close to there if you're ever there and then you bump and you know we bump into each other we can hang out he, <laughs> he, he kept it very casual very low pressure whereas Wes craven's character is like hey let's, why don't you come out let's of that go booth? get a drink <laughs> I, I got some booze in my car you want to drink it with me uh like, yeah jesus dude dial it back they have their little moment and she's like she's smitten at this point she plays it well but she forgets that she, they both forget actually that she has his credit card in her hands and he drives off and she tries to catch up to him she runs out the door and then she's like oh shit <laughs> uh <laughs> the door locked she doesn't have the keys because she's getting all wet in the pants and forgetting shit i pretty much saw that one coming as soon as robert carradine told her that the door locks automatically you you were like okay well that's happening yeah in, that's happening at least three once. minutes yep whether it's going to amount to anything who knows but it's definitely going to be at least a MacGuffin of some kind i mean it does <laughs> it does amount to something it, it does gets her into well, yeah. the other portion of the gas station yeah there's like there's like this little thing that she's in and then there's the garage part of it and that's where she has to get the spare key both of the doors are locked but the garage door part happens to be the overhead well, door but, happens to be unlocked but this is not before another oh right uh, yep forgot about the homeless guy another john carpenter standard george buck flower shows up he's red in back to the future oh yeah that's right good lord he's in they live and starman and village of the damned i told you the man is a john carpenter <laughs> standard and he's in power rangers Wait, seriously? Uh, right. uh, he plays a bartender in an episode, I, it looks like, <laughs> of Time Force. They go to a bar? Apparently. Boy, that seems out of character with Power Rangers. Oh, it's fucking Time Force. I should have guessed. 
<laughs> okay, so he's in in space and light speed rescue and and time <laughs> force. He plays does he play the same character in all of them? No, no, he's three different characters. Oh, that would have been funny if he's just like this this eternal bartender. Plays homeless man in Lightspeed Rescue in the episode The Great Egg Caper and in In Space he plays Bearded Man in Countdown to Destruction Part 2 so the last episode of that season Fun. so at no point does he get a name <laughs> no no why would he don't give him the a man name man was in They Live for Christ's Sake <laughs> can't we get him a name that's really fucking weird he's in all these classic movies as like these tertiary side characters but like we know them like I look at every time uh, I see him I'm always like red and nobody knows what I'm talking about because it's that throwaway moment from Back to the Future well suffice to say he's the perfect homeless man because he plays a homeless man <laughs> in <many> everything. Times. <laughs> it's like some variation of that. It's homeless man or bearded guy or homeless but he bearded guy. Kind of looks like a homeless man. <laughs> yes, he's not being too weird. He's just kind of aggressive about asking for the key to the bathroom. Yeah, I. You know, I mean, he's in fairness, he's he's really got to go. Uh, and she's like, "Well, hang on, I got to go. Fucking got to go into the garage, get the spare keys, and all the doors are locked except the overhead door isn't for some reason. You know, now that I think about it, it's probably because Bill, not Bill, fucking." left it unlocked i mean it's a garage door too so it's not like there's a subtle way to open it when she's in there she's when she's in there looking for the key she knocks over this picture that's on the desk it's a dude named bill and it's sam raimi also which is nice yes horror legend sam raimi so she finds the keys and gets back and gives the dude the bathroom key he goes and does his thing presumably a little while has passed and then this other dude pulls up i thought he was a teenager at first because they're like him and his girlfriend are like whooping and yip, 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 and just having a good old time but no he's just this probably coked out oh yeah older sure. dude in a convertible he's definitely having a midlife crisis of some kind at this point and i assume that's his played, life but who knows played by peter jason who was also in they live oh my god dude you, this guy was also in the karate kid he plays the soccer coach who gets pissed at daniel for fighting really yeah <laughs> oh man how, how did we miss that one that one i didn't even know what the fuck that's awesome he walks up to Anne and he's like hey do you have the key to the little boy's room <laughs> what's up sweet cheeks or whatever the fuck yeah you're hot you should be out partying what are you doing no this dude thinks he's in high school <laughs> that's what it is he peaked in high school and now he's trying yes. to relive the glory days he's not like mean or anything he's just kind of like that old guy who's hitting on the young girl even though his wife is right next to him well not right next to him but i don't think she's his wife well you're probably right. I'm just assuming. But she asks, she's like, hey, man, can you check on can you check on the other guy that's in the bathroom? He was being kind of weird. He's homeless. And, and I'm like, that's mean. He was kind of nice to you. So leave him alone. The lady he is with, his wife or not wife, can't figure out how the fucking gas pump works. So Anne has to go show show her. She tries to yell. She's like, lift the lever. She's like, I'm used to the full service. Yeah, of course she is. So she leaves the little thing again, but this time she grabs the key so she can get back in. So the old dude comes back and he's like, you know, this this guy's just a bum. He's asleep in there, so I wouldn't worry about it. Let him sleep it off. They're ready to drive off and he calls her doll face. Could have been worse, I guess. He said he left the bathroom key in the door, so she has to go get it. And this is where this is this is where the horror kind of starts. It's a little it's it's pretty cool what happens to her. I think she goes to the bathroom. She opens the door. The homeless guy isn't in there anymore. So she's kind of like looking around and then she turns around and sees this fucking awesome picture painted on like painted on some part of the bathroom i can't even explain what it depicts but it's like it's really grotesque and fucked up looking it looks like uh the sketch version of 
what would ultimately become a cannibal corpse cover or something. <laughs> yeah, kind of if it was drawn by like a little kid. Yeah, you know, it's like it, it's the sketch version. It's just, you know, like, here's my idea. What do you call this thing that she's hanging out in? I don't know. I guess it's like a kiosk of sorts. It's like when you go to Safeway and get gas. I don't know if you do that, but they have like a little standalone section that the gas station attendant is in. And then you know, the Safeway is over there. Well, that's what this is. Like, they got a little standalone section that the gas station attendant is in, and they can turn on the pumps, but then there's an auto shop next to it that's actually closer to the pumps, but still, it it's <laughs> like an auto shop. It's like they have two vehicle bays, and then they have a little sales counter that you can go inside and buy parts and shit like that. It, yeah. That's what it looks like. So on her way back, she sees she sees and hears the, the car going up on, like, the lift thing in the, in the, in the shop. She goes back into the little cubicle thing. She calls she tries to call Bill, who left his number with her, and it gets a busy signal, of course. So she's just like, you know what? I'm going to grab this wrench, and I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to beat the shit out of whoever's in there fucking around with me. <laughs> I mean, I think she's pretty sure it's the homeless guy yeah. at this point, but uh, she thinks he's fucking with her. Yep. We get in the garage, and she steps on the air hose, and we get a little jump scare because it hisses at her really fast. This one has a lot of jump scares. Well, it, it, it is it is John Carpenter doing a slasher kind of thing, which and they're all alert. bullshit jump scares. Like <laughs> they are. there are no good straight jump scares. Hey, at least there's not a cat. So she sees that the homeless guy is in the car, and immediately she just walks right up to him because she's a badass apparently, and she opens the door. Or she sees him in the window or some fucking thing. But either way, his throat's cut and he's fucking dead. <laughs> she goes and she grabs a, a drop light and kind of oh, pulls right. it over. And then doesn't see that he's got this giant gaping neck wound <laughs> until she's like a step away from him. And the camera pans over. And that's when she sees it and screams. So it's a little unrealistic, but, uh, you know, I can forgive that. That's that's not the biggest problem. It's just a little silly bit of editing. So she freaks out, naturally, knocks over some oil, which will become important later. She oh, yes. runs away, and then we see a shot of a dude holding a machete. And it's the not Bill. Of course it's the not Bill. We all saw that coming. So she goes back to her little cubicle her little kiosk not a cubicle and she calls bill again and this time he answers but it turns out that the number he gave her is just the number of the shop oh, yeah. that she can see from where she's standing yep so she can see him in the window and then he cuts the line after he's done doing his bill can't come to the phone right now thing like he did the whole thing he didn't even like change it he didn't go like bill can't come to the phone right now so you're gonna fucking die or something i'm like come on and he's like staring out the window at her the whole time <laughs> Yeah, so he also, he grabs, he has his machete, and he grabs a sledgehammer, shoves the machete in his pants. Dangerous, I'm thinking. I think, yeah, was, I, I think he sticks it in, in his, his belt. belt, but yeah, it, I'm going to say it's in his pants because it's funnier that way. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. He cut his wiener off. And uh, it just falls, like, right down the leg of his pants and kind of wriggles out like a snake, and then it becomes the killer. I was going to say, he picks it up and beats the shit out of her with it and beats her to death. <laughs> Um, so just he, his, his giant flaccid <laughs> hog. It's like a Frank Henenlotter movie. <laughs> that would be a very different <laughs> film, yeah. He uses that sledgehammer to break the glass on this kiosk thing, and it took like 20 hits because they used actual safety glass, which they're not really supposed to do, but they were allowed to anyways. It was like bulletproof glass or something like that, or maybe not bulletproof. Yeah, but... they, they call it safety glass. Okay, so yeah, something really strong because this sledgehammer... This window takes like 12 hits from the sledgehammer before it finally goes, before it fi he finally punches enough holes in it to get the thing to open up so he can get through. And it's actually Robert Carradine hitting it too. 
Yeah, no safety goggles. Um, Bold move there, Robert. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't blind yourself. (laughs) So she's obviously, she's like, I need to get the fuck away from this guy. So she goes into this little bathroom area that's in the thing. and We call it the employee lounge. Employee lounge. lounge. God, I hate this guy. He's such a douche. But that's okay, (laughs) because... He'll he'll be dead soon. Spoiler alert. You're telling me spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Sorry. She's like fucking around in there trying not to die, I guess. She opens a locker and then (laughs) Sam Raimi's dead body falls out on top of her. So far from finding something to fight with, she actually found something to handicap herself with. Now she's got a 140 pound man lying on top of her. And then fake Bill breaks down, breaks through the door. She just manages to get out from under the under dead Bill. And she smashes his face with a chair. Like she gets up, manages to just get him. And it is a chair, right? Yes. Or something. And that's a chair. And he's he's knocked out right this second. And then she throws her hands up and goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it's over. Not really. God, that would be fucking stupid. He's not out, though. She gets she gets out of this thing, uh, the kiosk thing, and then he stands up, and then he kind of walks out, walks outside, and he runs up, but he tries to grab her from behind, and he does. Oh, you're forgetting that she does the thing. What does What's the thing? The John Carpenter thing that pisses me the fuck off every time I see it, whether it's in <laughs> Halloween or in this, where she walks out out of the kiosk and because he was down and presumably unconscious she just turns her back to him and takes a breather (laughs) in halloween i could kind of accept it but it's the 1990s now like we're four years away from scream this behavior is unacceptable (laughs) this is one of those moments there aren't a lot of them in this movie especially in this segment which is probably my favorite of the three segments but this is one of those moments where i'm like fucking don't don't do that but she's got to do that. But she manages to fight him off this time. She runs away and he like falls down and he's like, oh, bitch. And then he like passes out again. She got him good with that chair. Yeah, like like hard. I thought his face was broken at first because of how his mouth was hanging over his teeth and shit. I think, yeah, I think it's just his nose that was broken. Yeah. But he's also probably got a concussion. Yeah, no, he, you know, he's fine. Like, like if you look at that shot, though, when she first hits him, uh, it looks like his teeth are all fucking bulging out of his face, but they're not. It's just the way his face face is like squished up against the ground he's got kind of a weird face anyway (laughs) he does he always has all i knew him as was lizzie mcguire's dad and he was such a sweet nice dude in that show (laughs) so he pulls the machete out of his belt not his pants yes she runs into the garage jumps in the truck and she tries to drive away the truck that the homeless guy was in so she like pushes him over and fucking jumps in and she tries to drive away but bill shows up He's, he's Bill at this point. Uh, he shows up and lifts up the fucking lift thing so she can't drive away. It's actually a pretty clever move. That's one of my favorite things from this sequence because that was a clever move. As he goes for her, the guy that forgot his credit card comes back because, you know, he had to come back because he forgot his credit card. And he like... We knew it. He kind of saves her. Like, just by distracting him long enough, he like gets gets the shit kicked out of him by this guy. But then Bill happens. He, he backs up, slips on the fucking oil that she knocked over earlier. And then... Conveniently placed oil. Goddamn yes. dinosaurs killing from beyond the grave. Ha-ha. And then Anne crushes him with the lift. She just drops that fucker down and... And then he he fucking explodes. And apparently Robert Carradine was like, you can get closer to me than that with that thing. And they're like, no. <laughs> and he's like, it's fine. Just put a couple cinder blocks here. It'll be fine. This dude has like <laughs> no fear for his own safety, apparently. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Put a couple of cinder blocks here. It's a goddamn <laughs> truck lift, dude. Much respect, but, you know, chill the fuck out, man. Well, I mean, hey, whatever. <laughs> he's he survived, dead. obviously. Yeah, he he's went not on dead to be Lizzie he, McGuire's dad. He went on to be Lizzie McGuire's dad. One of, one of TV's 
dads. Not greatest, not the worst. Pretty good dad, though. I like him. A TV dad. And uh, David Carradine actually shows up in an episode of Lizzie McGuire, which this is a side note, but and who cares, but it's kind of funny. He teaches her little brother karate, and then he walks off, and then everybody in the family's like, who was that guy? And then the dad's like, you know, I've known him for a long time. He's almost like a brother to me. I can't believe that got two mentions on this show. <laughs> Oh, this did is I the tell second you about time we've talked about it. <laughs> oh, I probably we probably talked about it on the Warrior and the Sorceress, huh? Probably, yeah. I can't remember for sure, but probably. All right, so that's the end of the first segment. Uh, you said this is one of your this is your favorite segment of the show. Mine too. Like aside from the coroner stuff, because that doesn't technically count as like a segment. The interstitial I mean, between the shit. It does get its own credit, but it it, like it's not a story. It's yeah. just weaving the other stories together so i yeah personally i don't count it but it's a lot of fun he, uh yeah john carpenter's a lot of fun as the coroner and it's just it's just more shenanigans here so when it cuts back to him he's sitting behind a desk and he's psychoanalyzing a disemboweled corpse or something like uh, somebody who's been like <laughs> like autopsied or some shit and yeah this it looks like someone dropped a cherry bomb down his throat and it just blew the fuck up. These are those hard uh, segments to uh, to talk about because the it's so like quippy and jokey. So you just have to experience this shit for yourself. It's just him walking us from one segment to the next, you know, with a with a series of one liners. Yeah, uh, there is there is one. He starts going over to the to the fridge, starts like pulling out these. <laughs> these cold corpses essentially and one of them he can't pull out because she has huge breast implants oh yeah <laughs> and i wasn't sure that i probably saw be that. recycled yeah i wasn't sure if i saw that so i looked over to rachel i'm like did that just happen because it happened it's, it's like it's like there and gone really quick then there's the two people whose heads are cut off and then he lifts up both of their heads and like makes them kiss and like <laughs> it's pretty fucked up and then it's, just unceremoniously chucks him over his shoulders yep and then he finds a body in a ziploc bag which oh yeah like like it's just a like one gallon ziploc bag full of viscera which led me to believe that that was going to have something to do with the next story and it doesn't at all they only made his commentary like super on point for the last one yeah yeah it's weird <laughs> let's get into the next one is it called hair oh yeah i guess it is called hair before we actually get into that one i'm gonna read the the best description of a movie <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to do it just like I think the person writing it would have sounded. Okay. All right, hit us. Three short stories in the horror genre. The first about a serial killer. The second about a hair transplant gone wrong. And the third about a baseball player. <laughs> so that's that, it. That's Dramatic pretty pause. much all you need to know. I feel like that is an incredibly accurate representation of this movie. Let's just talk about this segment because this one i will tell you right off the bat it's my least favorite one i thought it was really bad i didn't like it at all it's pretty bad but it's not my least favorite one and i was thinking about this actually the other day <sighs> leave it up to 90s john carpenter to be like hey i'm gonna do one that's pretty good and then i'm just gonna fuck up the other one the man's work was hit and miss there for for a minute because yeah um, he, in the 90s he has no in the mouth of madness but then he also has village of the damned i haven't watched village of the damned so i don't I can't speak to that. Village but. of the Damned, which I liked, but I, I understand that it's not good. And I had a joke about Kirstie Alley, and it was so natural in my brain, and I made myself laugh, but then I just couldn't figure it out again, and it pissed me off all day yesterday because I thought about it right in the morning, and I, and I giggled. I actually like laughed out loud to myself. I think it just feels like a drop-off 
because Carpenter was hitting them one after another in the 80s. Like, if you look at his movies in the 80s, it's like there's not a dud in the bunch. It's just like like one awesome movie after another. Yeah, and then here he has this segment in this movie, and he has In the Mouth of Madness, which is awesome. Village of the Damned. Vampires, which you like, which a lot of people seem to not like very much. Yeah, I I do like vampires. I know people don't like it. I don't know. I just, I think it's so goddamn fun, but... And then, I guess course, I understand. You know, Ghosts of Mars. Okay, Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> oh, and, and Escape right. from L.A. We can't forget that one because a lot of people are like, the fuck is this when that one came out? And now I can't support <laughs> the people who are down on Escape from L.A. I can understand people who don't like Ghosts of Mars, but Escape from L.A., I'm sorry, that movie is so fucking fun. I love it. I will always love it. Well, we'll have to tackle those movies one of these days, but for right now, let's get to the hair. Okay. All right. Let's get to it. So this guy named Richard, played by somebody... What's his name? I know you know who he is. Stacy Keach, man. The legend. L- what is he a legend for? For, like, tons of stuff. <laughs> you're that you're being that guy like the okay golden. all right all right you want to you want to do it i'll let's let's go imdb stacy keach he's been in some great stuff man no he's in he's in escape from la speaking of yeah he plays the um he plays the lee van cleef character in escape from la all right he's done all sorts of shit this 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 could take forever his 220 credits god you got i, I had to scroll three quarters of the way down the page just to get into the 90s <laughs> Yep, he started in 1964 with a with a show called Channing, one episode. Oh, Children of the Corn 666. <laughs> okay, maybe he's just a legend in my own mind. He's <laughs> but just... I love Stacy Keach. I love everything I see him in. I have never seen him in anything that I did not love him in. So this motherfucker. So he's getting ready for a date with a lady named Megan, played by Sheena Easton, by the way. It stands in stark contrast to Stacy Keach because Stacy Keach, while I love the man, and he's got a great jawline, he really does. <laughs> he's at least twenty years older than her if it's a if he's a day, right? <laughs> and like the whole premise of this story is that he's very insecure about his hair loss, which is very obvious. And she doesn't give a shit. Like he's going on about his insecurity about his hair loss right at the beginning, and she's like, "Dude, I think you look great. I don't care about your hair loss." I love you just the way you are. And I'm just like, motherfucker, stop your complaining. This gorgeous fucking woman loves you just the way you are. And you're going to sit there and obsess about your hair. Fuck you. I cannot get on this guy's side. I can't. No, me neither. I have a whole note about that because I'm like, dude, she's super hot. 18 years younger than you, by the way. I don't know if the ages are supposed to match what they actually are, but she is 18 years younger than him. She looks 25 years younger than him. Shut up and just deal with your hair because he does he ends up going to the barber right and they make it look okay they make it look good in fact yeah it works and honestly it it was working fine i mean he's he's a man who's losing his hair okay all right i admit neither of us really suffer in that department no no i'm um, my hair might be so, thinning out a bit but not that bad so it's <laughs> it's pretty easy for us to say just don't be insecure about losing <laughs> your hair when we're not losing our hair at all that's if true. anything that's we've true. got a luscious thick hair but <laughs> At the same time, it's like he's got a lot going for him. All right. He's got that great voice. He's got a like a, a really macho look thing to him. He's got a great jaw. And this woman loves him. It's like, dude, just enjoy it. But he can't because he's an insecure fucking modern man. Fucking insecurity, dude. It'll it, it, it'll eat you up. And I say that as a man who speaks from experience. And he's got a really shitty toupee. And she's just like, take that thing off. You look like an idiot. <laughs> 
watching this segment <laughs> makes me so fucking angry and it's one of those scene it's one of those sequences where the angrier i get the more i realize that i'm the person i'm angry at so that because i don't have the hair insecurity but i got so many other insecurities you got the other that ones look just as fucking stupid as this guy i got a few it's all right that whole first scene is just to set up him being really insecure let's cut to the barber or i guess he's a hairdresser he's not a barber he's a hairdresser yes and there's a distinct difference between the two he is not helping matters because he literally tells this dude he's like i'm gonna throw away your toupee and if we don't do something about this hair now pretty soon your head's gonna look like a christmas tree lot in january i'm like i thought you were supposed to be like easing his mind you're not doing that you're headed for chrome dome city bud (laughs) yes like it's uh Maybe Dude. don't. So I guess the barber, the hairdresser, does his best. And again, he looks really good. He looks really good. He walks out and he, you know, it looks fuller than it was. It's it's nice and It's coiffed in kind of the right way. Yeah. But you know who ruins it? People with perfect hair. Greg Nicotero. That motherfucker. <laughs> Greg Nicotero. <laughs> walking through this movie like he's not a handsome guy, but wow what hair <laughs> what are the he's 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 a really good effects artist for those he who is don't he, know. <laughs> he's a he's an absolute legend i'm not trying to shit on the guy no but no. he's got a face kind of like mike berbiglia you know <laughs> like he looks like he, he looks like uh uh maybe could have been a youth pastor if his parents had been more conservative you know but then he's got this hair and oh my god the hair on nicotero is just flowing like a fucking lion's mane it's gorgeous <laughs> And, and they, you know that they had some like professional hair people just making it look as good as fucking possible for this shot. I was and then say, he's walking yeah. this dog. <laughs> yeah, the dog. The fucking dog. Even the dog has perfect hair. <laughs> and this, I think this just like makes him, makes his brain break and he gets fucking weird and brings home all these hair products and just starts fucking like massaging his head and going, grow, baby, grow, and talking to his hair. This one is the comedy like like if any of these three stories are a comedy it's this one except it's not really funny i don't know it's, the, uh, it's subjective the sure. hair <laughs> the hair crisis sequence was pretty fucking funny <laughs> like when he looks down at the dog it's like jesus christ dude just get the fuck over it and then he's the listening. dog seriously <laughs> he's listening to this this cassette tape harmonies for hair and then he <laughs> He busts out this spray can. It was clearly like the early version of that the hair the hairspray. The spray the that hair you, like spray. You, yeah, like the literal hairspray that you spray hair onto your head. Yeah, it was like the early version of that and it literally looks like he just took a paintbrush to his head. <laughs> it looks like it's this fucking yeah. beautiful. He looks like he belongs in that Robin Williams movie toys a little bit. <laughs> So Megan comes over and and he answers the door and his hair looks so stupid. It's just like this this fucking chrome black thing. It's like all shiny and hard and shit. And she's just like, she doesn't say this, but you can tell she's like, your hair looks fucking stupid. She asks, did whatever her friend, the uh, the hairstylist, yeah, did, I can't remember. Did the hairdresser do this? Did he do that to you? <laughs> He's like, no. Oh, he made it look good. Yeah. So this is where they have that heart to heart where she's like, it doesn't matter to me. It's fine. And then she kisses the top of his head. She pulls her mouth away and there's just all sorts of black shit all over her mouth. <laughs> and even he laughs at it. Yeah. Because they're... it's funny. <laughs> and then she, you know, cleans herself up and 
He's just like, I don't want to be a bald guy. And my note is, get over it, dude. And so is hers. She basically gets annoyed. She takes off and I said, I agree. This guy's a fucking baby. Yeah, like, you're going to push this woman away, man, and you are going to regret that forever. Oh, no shit. Especially when she's all famous and singing on MTV and shit. You have a really nice apartment, so you obviously make some damn money, and you have this hot woman who actually likes you. Clearly, yeah. she's putting up with your fucking whiny shit. Yeah. So what's your fucking problem? I don't know, man. Doing all right, man. He's obsessed. That I wrote down that he probably like tapes all these fucking hair commercials, but he, he comes across <laughs> one, one infomercial hosted by the guy who plays the scientist from TGRI in, uh, in, what's Ninja, TGRI? in Ninja Turtles 2, Techno Global Research Institute. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Professor Perry, that's that's his name in Ninja Turtles. So is that David Warner then? Yes, yes. A.K.A. Dr. Locke. What do I know him from? He, I was going to say, everybody else knows him from other shit, but I'm just like, fucking Ninja Turtles, man. This guy's been in shit. I'm trying to think of what i think maybe he was in videodrome he was in rush hour fuck off what he was don't bring that don't bring that weak shit at me he was in in the mouth of madness and titanic oh he's in the mouth of madness oh tron he was in tron oh that's right yes he plays uh he plays one of the evil programs like he's he's got such an iconic face and voice that voice does it too yeah but seriously man rush hour also fuck you rush hour is a good movie not directed by a good person (laughs) brett ratner Yeesh. I hate him. And I hate that I like Rush Hour. And I hate that he made it. Can't we just have somebody cool like Mick G making these movies? Yeah, I said it. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, he was in Time Bandits. That was the oh, other thing. Oh yeah, I've from. never seen that. That keeps on popping up on, I think, HBO for me. That's like, one of those I... like dumb 80s movies, right? For kids. No, it's not dumb. It's... Are you it's sure so it's not dumb good. or are you... It's fucking... in the Criterion Collection, dude. Oh, so it's so it's dumb but pretentious? It's fucking good. That's what it is. Okay, look, don't get me wrong. I know film bros are douchebags, but don't be the reverse type of douchebag, please. You know why I do that, though? Because it's Just fun. to keep, keep me in check? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I really... It just, it, the cover just looks like it should be like a Goonies kids movie type of thing. So he uh, he comes across this infomercial hosted by the guy from Ninja Turtles 2, of course. So we, we, we covered all that shit. It's called the Roswell hair growth procedure, which should set off a couple red flags. They're just dropping them like heavy, like <laughs> weights in a gym. Bang! This thing is only like a half hour long, so we need to get his ass into this fucking appointment. So he goes there. It's just <laughs> boom. He sees the infomercial, boom, uh, there. And Debbie Harry is there. And of course, we know her best from Videodrome, right? Um, ha, ha, ha. Yes. Yep, Blondie, I know. She hasn't done anything else to the best of my knowledge. Never. Just been in Videodrome. So this thing gets weird right off the bat. <laughs> the doctor says, we have an assortment of hair personalities for you to choose from. And I'm like, hair personalities, huh? Once you watch the rest of this, you'll kind of see what the fuck that means. Hair personalities. Yes. Indeed. Then he starts scrolling through, like on this dumb computer screen. He's like scrolling through and he's like, how about this one? This, we, is, we, this we, is so fucking 90s. We call this one the traditional Republican. Then Richard's like, no, I need something like big and bold and beautiful or whatever. However, he describes it. And then, of course, they scream, he's like, oh, hang on, I got something for you. And I'll tell you what I think he looks like later. But it's this long, these this long flowing hairdo. And they call it the stallion. The stallion. And of course, he chooses that one. So the idea is Naturally. that they... That and, and Debbie Harry is like on his shoulder <laughs> yes. playing the most oversexed nurse you've ever seen. And she's like, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> she is that's into the it. One. And I got to say, if Debbie Harry was on my shoulder uh, doing that exact same thing, she could sell me just about anything. So the idea behind this procedure is that there's no surgery, no, nothing invasive. They just rub some shit on your head and then they bandage you up and then you go home and you wake up with whatever hair you decided to choose that day. And he does. 
he he goes home, goes to bed, has a little bit of a moment with himself in the mirror where he almost takes the bandage off before he goes to bed. And then he's like, nope, don't nope, want to jinx nope, it. Got it, yep. So he wakes up the next morning, and he's like, please, let there be hair, let there be hair. I'm like, you're obsessed and kind of annoying. Um, <laughs> so he starts unwrapping the bandage, and this long string of hair comes out. It's not a string, it's, not it's a, a string. lock of hair. It's a lock, thank you. Then he just, he just proceeds, he's just like, I'm going to rip this fucking bandage off, and then just this whole thing just falls out, and it's just... This beautiful, perfect hair. He's like squealing like a schoolgirl, just overjoyed with what he's seeing. Like he can't contain himself. Uh, yeah. So he he obviously he calls Megan up and she's fucking there. And this is where I realized what he looks like. I wrote down that he looks like the White Thulsa Doom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's better than mine. What did you come up with? I was going to say off-brand Fabio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine's better. I, I, yeah, I no, like yours is better. Yeah. <laughs> With a mustache. With a mustache, which I'm... Did James yeah, Earl a lot Jones... of mustaches floating around yeah. this movie. Did James Earl Jones ever have a mustache? Probably in the 70s. I don't know. He didn't in uh, Conan, though. No, no, he did not. He looked like a little baby with super long black hair. I don't know. He's James Earl Jones, you know, like... He's still got that thing. Conan's fucking awesome, by the way. Oh, God. Thulsa <laughs> Doom is like one of the greatest villains of all time. The fact that James Earl Jones got to play two of the greatest villains of all time is insane. I mean, it's not insane. Like, it's not like he doesn't deserve it. I mean, he's got that amazing voice and he's got that amazing presence. So, like, when you get to see him in Conan, like, he just he exudes that cult leader personality. Like you can 100% buy him giving someone a gesture and they're just jumping off that, you know, jumping to their deaths for him. You can buy that. Oh yeah. And then, yeah. and then fucking Darth Vader, Darth Vader is without peer. Bad guys don't get better than Darth Vader. Megan's into this. She's into this fucking, this long hair. She's like, I know I said I didn't care if you were going bald, but oh my God, I just want to fuck your brains out right now. She's definitely digging it. She wakes up the next morning in her early nineties aerobics outfit. <laughs> it's some kind of spandex thing she's got going on she licks his face and wakes him up and she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna come back tonight and he's like yeah oh god i have like a tickle in my throat this will come back to haunt us in a little bit so just stay tuned for that one won't be too long don't worry you're not gonna have to hold your breath <laughs> so she leaves and she's like you know rest up I, you you need to save all your strength for me i'm like uh yes ma'am i'm yeah I'm there actually yeah all right so he uses mouthwash and that doesn't work but then he realizes that there's a little it looks like there's a little hair grown in the back of his throat and he kind of like that, tries to pull it out but he like gags oh yeah that that um this is probably why i don't dislike this sequence as much as you because as cheesy as that effect is i've had throat stuff before and it like it's a it's a particular fear of mine and so consequently when i watched this sequence for the first time i was like oh god no 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 wasn't having it so yeah this one really crawls under my skin <laughs> well that's kind of the thing this one's just kind of yucky and fucking weird it is for sure so he goes back to the hairdresser oh he realizes that his hair is also grown like six inches overnight so that's why he goes to the hairdresser to have him just cut off a little bit and he does and then <laughs> and the hairdresser loses his shit yes hairdresser is like oh my god it looks so amazing you look fantastic and he's just like it's like he just wants to fuck his hair presumably he could <laughs> there's enough of it for sure well, and uh he cuts he cuts some pieces off and then it like john carpenter kind of blows his load right now where you see these little pieces of the hair like wriggle away like little worms in 
the worst early 90s CGI effect I've seen in a long time. Keep in mind, TV budget. Yes, I get that. This is comparable to something you might see on Star Trek The Next Generation. So not good feel like it looks better than some of the stuff on there some not all so that 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 scene's fine he's still kind of like coughing and stuff because of the thing and the hair in the back of his throat megan calls him to see if he's up to hanging out again and he's like no i'm gonna cancel the date and she's like you're fucking someone aren't you <laughs> suddenly she got insecure <laughs> so no he's not he's just growing fucking hair everywhere he checks the back of his throat and sees he he sees that there's hair in the back of his throat now i fucking i jumped the gun he goes to the yellow pages yeah the yellow pages that's a phone book he goes to the yellow pages because he can't remember should should we provide a glossary of terms for our younger listeners (laughs) apparently a phone book is where you used to look in an actual physical book for people's numbers but you had to know their last names and shit and if you didn't know what their parents names were you just had to call several different people with the same last name until you found the right person on the bright side though it also had their home address in it so if you did find them you could immediately stalk them yeah that seems unsafe but then again you can do that now more innocent time oh boy wasn't it he forgot the doctor's number so he's looking in the yellow pages but guess what it's not there because i don't think he's a real doctor you think he just advertises on tv to insecure men at one o'clock in the morning i'm thinking so yeah but it doesn't matter because richard passes out before he can fucking find the number anyways so he wakes up uh uh, a little worse for wear it's starting to get gross now like he wakes up (laughs) and there's just little hairs growing out of his neck and these little holes and just there's hair all over his face and uh, And he's got like lesions all over his face too yeah he's like a crab apple you'll see why in a minute (laughs) Uh, he wakes up to a ringing phone it's megan and he's got all sorts of new hair this is a yeah more more wriggling pretty much around his face and shit megan is not having it she's like fuck you you're fucking you're still fucking somebody and he's like go fuck yourself Because he's actually having some trouble here. Now he tries to cut the hair that's growing in the back of his throat. And he does. He does. He cuts it. And it screams. And then it bites him. And then it bites him. It looks like Scorpion's, like, harpoon thing. It's gross and cheesy looking at the same time. Yeah. And then I wrote down, ew, little wormy things crawling out of the holes on his face, hence the crab apple thing. Yeah, one crawls out of one of the little lesions, and then, like, it doesn't it, like, crawl back into another one or <laughs> yes, something? Yes, yes, it does. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's where I drew the line. I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore, but I did. I kept going for you fucking people that don't listen. <laughs> he goes back to the doctor and neither one of them seem surprised or concerned that he's back they're like oh looks like everything's going perfectly (laughs) so so what does the doctor do he grabs a knife or a razor blade or something and just cuts richard's arm open and then more of the little wormy things pop out the right way oh the right way yes the right way gross (laughs) call back but it's like he doesn't die or doesn't even seem to hurt at all nope but he, he is infested yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. And then the doctor reveals that they're aliens and like the best way they found to eat people's brains is to prey on the fucking bald men because <laughs> because they can get into their heads easier. <laughs> and he's and like, the moral of the story is don't call those infomercial numbers. Don't trust infomercials ever. The ending is they sit him down in a chair and they start like pulling hair off of his head. And I don't really know what that means. Well, I think it's because at this point, the things are like fully infesting his brain and like feeding on his brain. So like while he's in the doctor's office, he goes from semi-functional to non-functional. Okay, I I thought he kind of went brain dead for a second there. So yeah, that makes sense. It looks like what they're doing is they're harvesting like seedlings. That, That was the impression I got. 
Ew. All right, that one's over. That one's, again, my least favorite one. It's yucky, and it's <laughs> icky, and it makes me feel not just not good. Just not good. It's definitely icky, yeah. Uh, but that, it's also very funny. At least I thought it was very funny. Some of it was funny. It wasn't not funny. I just didn't <laughs> enjoy it. Even John Car- John Carpenter likes this one, though. He said he was really he had a lot of fun doing this one. Yeah, I, I have to imagine it was a lot of fun to shoot. But then we cut back to the coroner, and he's pulling out his hair, too. And John Carpenter's reaction here is really funny. Like, the dude has some f- good comedic chops just just being kind of goofy it's fun and then he's trying to make all these jokes and he then obviously none of the corpses are laughing so he's like what a bunch of stiffs this is crypt keeper 101 like he's he's playing it straight down the line he is fully leaning into that like cheese ball humor thing and he's he's doing it well i thoroughly enjoy it he said he had to actively try to not sound like beetlejuice Yeah, I could see that because he's got he, he's got the deeper voice than um, than the guy who does Crypt Keeper. So obviously you don't want to go Crypt Keeper route. So you got to go the other way. And that's Beetlejuice, basically. <laughs> yeah. So you got to settle somewhere in between there. Looks like, though, he's all out of formaldehyde. He wants another drink, but there there's no formaldehyde left. But then he drinks eyeball juice instead. I don't know what it is. Wasn't the eyeball in formaldehyde? Or was that formaldehyde? Yeah, duh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for clearing that up because I'm a I fucking mean, that, idiot. I mean, that's what you keep detached organs in. I keep my detached organs in milk. Good luck with that. That sounds so fucking gross. <laughs> and then I drink the milk. Okay. All right. That's um, I don't have a yes and for that. <laughs> Uh, neither you do grossed, I. You grossed me into silence. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's there's an eyeball, and I don't even... He says something stupid, and then it brings us into the third and final segment of the show called The Eye, I. or just Eye. Let's talk about Mark Hamill being a fucking psycho. Okay, this, good this one it. is definitely my least favorite. Really? I think it, it's objectively, from a filmmaking standpoint, probably the best one. I agree with you on that, but the problem is, is that the premise is so fucking dated. The premise of the cursed transplant, oh man, that shit was dated in 93 that was like the 80s were the heyday the early 80s were like the heyday for that story by 93 that shit was old hat well i I like the idea at least yeah i i just couldn't i i just couldn't get past the fact that like it's so ridiculous now like watching it today you know like watching it in 93 it was a little dated probably not the worst thing in the world or anything like that and it is it is a well-made segment it's not like it's not a well-made segment but yeah like the premise is just so fucking ridiculous now (laughs) so mark hamill's a baseball player and apparently he's really good he's good enough to be he's on a farm team on on a minor league team and he somebody from some bigger major league team is looking to recruit him. We learn that from his coach, who is played by Charles Napier. Duh. Guess what he's in? Uh, I, I'm on the I'm on the tiny image page. I have a feeling though that this guy is one of those guys that you've seen in like a million things. Absolutely, he's Murdoch in Rambo in oh, First, First yeah. Blood Part Two. Yeah, he's the bad guy in in Rambo Two, and he's the bad guy in Three Ninjas. Knuckle up. I love the way you say that. Like anybody but you among our listenership has watched that movie which saying that title out loud makes it sound like a porno a little bit (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i I never never really noticed that before (laughs) okay well my head hadn't gone there thanks for putting that one in me oh jesus that talked about the wrong way to word it (laughs) is it a one knuckler or two knuckler (laughs) three Knuckle up. Three. We 
You have two knuckles. Okay, so he's also in a movie called Dragon Fight that has James Hong in it. I think I need to watch it. Wouldn't it be hilarious if, like, we had James Hong on the show? I would love to have James Hong on the show. That would be so amazing. Oh, my God. That would would be, like, dream come true. We can talk about several of my favorite movies. Talk about Ninja 3, of course. Gotta talk about Ninja 3. Absolutely. And then some other stuff. I'm I'm too dumb to fucking. Think I mean, about obviously, it. we're going to talk about Big Trouble in Little China. That's a no brainer. Oh yeah, duh. Um, but <laughs> the man has been in fucking everything. I'd have to br- bring up Blade Runner, even uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. He was great in that. So after we after we meet Mark Hamill, he calls his wife from the baseball place. I know sports. The locker room. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> She's and she's setting up some kind of gift, uh, and you know she's got some news that's got to wait until he gets home. And he like he's he calls her like they're newlyweds, like he is so in love with her. And it's Mark Hamill, so I buy it. You know, like this is a middle aged man. I shouldn't believe him as just being like stupidly in love with his wife. Well, yeah, I'd say that he's supposed to be playing a little younger, but they do say that he's been like passed over a bunch of times for the major league recruitment. So he's probably been doing this a while. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, he's very clearly a middle-aged man, you know? And yeah, it's, it's just, it, it comes off as super sweet. Again, it's fucking Mark Hamill. You know, the man can do it. He's on his way home. He's driving a car, but you know, he doesn't, let, let's just let's just get that out of the way. He doesn't fucking make it home because he's too busy fucking around with his cassette tapes. In the 80s and 90s, picking a tape was the texting and driving of that era. If nobody's in the passenger seat, why the hell is that shit on the floor? Because for some reason, they were always on the floor or in some hard, to, you know, in the glove box <laughs> or something true. like that. They were never easily reachable. And so, yeah, I, I know exactly where he's coming from. I used to keep him behind my seat. And so I'd be fumbling around behind the passenger <laughs> seat because I had a truck, but it had like enough space behind the seats to stow shit. And the fact that you never did what he did fucking is kind of surprising, right? It's a miracle. Yeah, uh, it's a miracle. He's a he's a nice guy. Doesn't want to hit the deer, I guess. Swerves into a tree. And gouges his eye out with a giant chunk of glass, which is a really good effect. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a couple couple dudes find him and they're like, hey man, you okay? He just looks at the camera and I'm like, ooh, rough. No, All you're right. not okay. I, take, I, I apologize for even asking. He's going to live, though. He'll live. It'll be fine. Because, he does. He lives. Because you know who's on the case? Roger fucking Corman is on the case. <laughs> yeah. And you want to talk about horror royalty, boy. It doesn't get a lot more royal than Roger Corman. I love that all these horror directors, these the most prolific horror directors, are these crusty old white dudes that don't look like they're any fun at all. Like, John Carpenter looks like he has a little edge yeah. because he looks like the coroner. He had long hair and shit. Yeah, John Carpenter is definitely more rock and roll than most of them. Yeah, you have Wes Craven. You have Roger Corman who, you know, you have... Uh, Wes Craven looks so goddamn straight-laced. Toby Hooper. Like, I mean... <laughs> Looks yeah. like Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yep. Uh, which is probably why. Kind of a shorter. Uh, maybe they were Shorter, like, more nondescript Steven Spielberg. Maybe we'll become real brothers if we work on a movie together. Toby Hooper is one of those guys who, even if you knew who he was, you could pass him in the mall and never notice. Oh, um, yeah. I didn't know who he was. When we get to the end of this thing, I'm like, who the fuck's with Tom Arnold? Who is that guy? <laughs> Turns out. Toby fucking Hooper is who it is. Legendary director Toby Hooper. Uh, yeah, and then there's another guy with him that, with, with uh, Roger Corman, who I, uh, oh, Dr. Lang, John Egger. Yes, and uh, John Egger Holy goes shit. back 
to like the old monster movies of like From the, the 50s 40s and 60s. And 50s, man. His first credit yeah. was like 48. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The dude is old school. Roger Corman was a young man next to him. But he, he says that he has this new experimental eye replacement or eye Im- transplant. Transplant. For fuck's sake. This eye transplant surgery never been done before. Some people don't even believe it'll work. He's like, talk it over with your wife and shit. And he's like, all right. And him and his wife just decide, hey, we're, we're, we're going to do it. And, and honestly, at this point, like, what's the worst that could happen? You're going to be blind or it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, they just take it out. Big fucking yep, deal, and I guess. And you're still blind. Worst case scenario, you're just right where you're at. Well, worst case scenario, you try to kill your wife because well. you think you're a homicidal maniac who was executed. Okay, worst case scenario in the real world... <laughs> I know that's the reason this doesn't work for me is because that conceit of the haunted transplant. Okay. That worked when transplants were like a new thing in the fifties. And when it was on a twilight zone or an outer limits episode, (laughs) this is 1993. Now we're in 2022. We're almost in 2023. It's almost been 30 years since this was made. And it was old when this was made. If there had ever been a case of a haunted transplant, we would have heard of it at this point. You know movies aren't real, right? I know that, but they have to set up a premise that you can suspend your disbelief for. And in the 1980s, maybe I could have suspended my disbelief (laughs) when Stephen King was writing Night Shift. But it's not the 1980s anymore. It's 2022. I can't suspend my disbelief for a haunted eyeball. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just can't do it. I'm sorry, Mark. You're... You're acting your ass off here, dude. And I got to say, even Twiggy is doing a great job. And I didn't think she was at first. Like, I kind of had this moment where I was like, God, there's like no chemistry between them. But then I realized it was a scene where there wasn't supposed to be chemistry because it was a scene where she's experiencing repulsion at the transplant. And so I was like, oh, no, she's actually doing a really good job. Good. So was I actually not not doing a good job because I'm fucking terrible at everything. But we're uh, having re- the, the repulsion from the thing yeah so anyway there i just brought it down you see that i suck at everything pity me (laughs) so anyway (laughs) he gets the eye transplant because of course he's going to and it works and it it works as far as we know except he has this gross like red ring around the eye and then they do this weird zoom in shot and i'm like ah uh no yeah i uh i was like i was like feeling the discomfort of that eye healing you know, like every time he, he moves his eye to look around, oh, I'm like, oh, no. oh, be more careful when you look around. Look more slowly. Don't strain the sutures. Oh, dude, I thought it was uncomfortable, but you just made it fucking worse. Thanks. Yeah, that was all I could think <laughs> about. They have him like take off the thing and he sees his wife and, you know, it worked. He can see shit. And, you know, the next day he's watching some he's watching some baseball in the hospital. And then there's this big flash and this happens over and over again. So if you have like epilepsy or some shit. <laughs> be warned <laughs> and then he gets headaches which seem to be a common thing from the surgery and the doctor's like you know they'll go they'll go away it'll be fine yeah they're expected and they have to use this con Ugh, the contact lens to fucking change his eye color ah, it's all gross i don't like this <laughs> the contact lens looks i mean like it's 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 very obviously a contact lens but then he's changing the eye from what is also a contact lens so it's like <laughs> It's I don't know big... if it's bad to worse or what, you know? It's like bulging out. Yeah, it looks really off. So they get home, and it's time for Brent's surprise. So they go up into this into this room, and it's the present is wrapped on the ground, and the card says, to dad, from mom. And he's like, oh my god, you're pregnant? And then he goes like, hey, that's exciting to, oh, fuck. And <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of a weird reaction. I'm like, wait a minute. Are we I happy, or are we, are we No, I not? get it. <laughs> 
Yeah, but they they have a life like they're they they weren't eighteen like you were. That's true. You know? that's true. That's true. And she, even she's like, what "The fuck, dude, you not happy about this at all?" And he's like, "No, yeah, I'm happy. It's fine." But I thought you said this present was for me because he opens it and it's a fucking it's a a crib baby crib and she's like it's for you to put together and then then they're back to joking around again and it's fun for a second they're in bed and she's reading dr spock's birth and child care yeah that that reference hasn't aged great <laughs> you know what popped up on it on my tiktok earlier i think it was today leonard nimoy singing that bilbo baggins song <laughs> bilbo bilbo baggins so i have a question so you obviously know did that was like recorded for that movie right no that was just him oh doing a thing really that he he was just a, a tolkien fan apparently <laughs> that was that was that was what i was worried about i was afraid yeah. that, that was no, oh my that was uh that's what it was and it's delightful i mean i love it it was the funniest fucking thing i'd seen all day except it happened in the morning <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing that i saw all day long so that's at least it made me happy in the morning only two feet tall <laughs> three feet tall oh, three, three feet, feet tall me. i know because i just heard it haha <laughs> no i'm i'm not arguing i'm not arguing <laughs> um so it's uh it's bedtime and he tries to make some fucky fucky and she's like uh eh, no i'm just not in the mood and he's like it's the eye isn't it and he gets all he gets kind of weirded out and he's like would it help if i put the contact in and she's like yeah that might help a little bit and that's when he said the kid aims to please and you can tell he's already getting frustrated with everything yeah that one took me back to some conversations i had in my marriage and i'm kind of like <laughs> i really wish i could go back and undo that uh well that's kind of what happens yeah the begging for sex conversations are not our proudest moments did you get on your knees Please. I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to I'm not going to elaborate on this one. You know, he gets denied. He goes to close the shutters after he puts in the lens and he looks outside, sees some crazy shit in the backyard. He sees like a dead body sticking out of the dirt and there's more not flashes just, and shit. Not just sticking out of the dirt. She like bursts out of the dirt <laughs> like a zombie. That's yeah, more appropriate. And then he gets another headache when 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 the flashes happen. So no no sexy time tonight. The next day, same thing happens. He, she makes him breakfast. He sits there. She, she takes off. He has more, more flashes, and well, she suggests that he put the crib together. But then, <laughs> but then he's like, "I have to work on my yard, goddammit. And then he's like, he "Just Whoa. snaps at yeah. her, like, woo." And he's like, "Wait, did I just say that?" He got really confused. So obviously, it's not him doing it right now. Oh, what? He's just using yeah. the eye as an excuse. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll wait until we get to the end for that. <laughs> You know, he gets up, dumps the food that she made for him into the garbage disposal, but it's only so he can have the scene of the hand popping up out of the thing. Yeah, like he didn't eat shit. You couldn't have, like, shown him with a half-finished meal or something like that by the time he goes to the garbage disposal? Okay, whatever. And then the anxiety... Now I'm just nitpicking. <laughs> yeah. Then the anxiety-inducing bit where he sticks his hand in the garbage disposal. Oh. Please don't I, do that. I literally was saying aloud when that scene played, <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> um, he does end up, though. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, ah. He does end up doing some stuff in the backyard. He digs a hole, finds a body, you know, typical day. It's not really there, but there's a Tarantino shot. You know what I mean? It's feet. And that's accompanied with more flashes and weird shit. And then there's he goes up into the bedroom. He's more flashes there. He reads the Bible because that helps all the time. The wife comes home and he shows her that he started putting the crib together because he's feeling better. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you're having a good day. And then he has another fucking meltdown because he puts like the side of the crib on and then we see this crazy lady in there and then she like puts a cigarette out in his well, face or some shit to clarify he's down on the ground 
like on his oh, knees, yeah, like, kind of putting this yeah. thing up from the inside. So when he finally snaps it into place, he kind of looks up, and that's when we get this POV shot that's clearly from a baby's perspective <laughs> of this woman who is like batshit crazy and puts a cigarette out on his face. Again, POV. Very So nice. we're obviously getting flashbacks to something in the eye donor's childhood. Then he has another freak out, of course. Turns out the doctor is unavailable because they're trying to call the doctor because these headaches, like he's had like three today. Yeah, it's not good. They're supposed to be getting less and they're getting more. So they're concerned. But then we get a really fucked up sex scene, which is more like a Ugh, yeah that um, not mm. not consensual sex scene. Yeah, that um, was uh, very uncomfortable. To there's watch. definitely a corpse involved. He's flashing back and forth between reality and psycho murderers fantasy well probably the reality for that psycho murderer yeah. based on what we later learn my favorite part of this scene is when it flashes to the corpse and then he stops for a second and then smiles and then just starts going to town that's my favorite part it's excited like like a kid on christmas he's like oh this is the good stuff <laughs> and i'm kidding just so nobody fucking shuts it off because they think i'm a weirdo i am a weirdo but i don't want a fucking dead person <laughs> But that is what he looks like. Like, he yes. gives that look. And then he bites. And again, it's fucking Mark Hamill, so he sells it. <laughs> yeah, he's a way better actor than people, like, I think realize. It's creepy as hell. He bites her, and she freaks out, rightfully so. Uh, the next day, he's, like, pacing around in the room and reading the Bible just out loud. And he's just back and forth, back and forth, just losing it. Aggressively reading the Bible. Then he goes, he drives to see the doctor, because apparently the doctor's not fucking answering the phone or something. Finds him in the parking lot, grabs him and says, what the hell's going on here? Where did you get this eye? The doctor says, John Randall. And we'll hear that name about 30,000 more times in the next two minutes. Because <laughs> he keeps saying, John Randall, John Randall, John Randall. Oh, uh, yeah. And it turns out uh, he goes to the library and then he figures out who John Randall is. Or if he didn't know who John Randall was, he if he knew who John Randall was, he was learning more about him. And it turns out he's a serial killer and he murdered his mother and seven other women, from what I gather. And so that's nice. Had unnatural Congress. Yes. With the corpses. Yep. And he was executed. That's where they get that's where they get the eye. The dead the dead yes. man's eye. He was executed in the gas chamber in, in case you were wondering chamber. how they yes. managed to preserve the eye. So Twiggy comes home and he's in the backyard digging a hole again. Yeah, this one. <laughs> this scene, I like this one because it's like just creepy enough to. I'm like, oh, I wish the whole thing was like this. What does she ask him to do? She's like, come inside, do something. What does she want him to do? Yeah, I can't remember. I remember. Maybe they needed to have a talk or something like that. Yeah. I I don't know. I I don't remember what she asked him to do, but he tells her he can't do it. Yeah, he's like, I can't. I'm like, uh, I have to finish digging your grave. He says, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I like that one. <laughs> and then he goes full psycho killer uh yeah he swings the fucking shovel right at her misses luckily and then he gets her down they kind of fight i don't see him get punched in the face but the next time you see a close-up of him he's like bleeding from the mouth and stuff and the eyes turning red again maybe it was something that got lost in the cut yeah it, it's it looks that way but this is fu this is fucked up dude he ties her to the table with her own hair yeah that was um i feel like toby hooper got that out of a true crime article because that was just a little too real that was a lot and yeah like ugh. It, it, it's it's creepy and then he starts you know saying the name john randall over and over and over again john randall john randall then he says something about whores and soft hair i kind of stopped paying attention it was it was a lot to take in it's just full psychotic rambling now <laughs> we're getting a glimpse into the mind of john randall who clearly uh, had a very healthy view of women 
Yeah, just a little thanks, Mom. Jesus. And then something about the Bible and how his name is written in it. I think the idea is that she had given him... Uh, Twiggy had given Brent, who is Mark Hamill's character, the Bible, and it has, like, it's inscribed, like, to him, and his name's in the Bible, but no, John Randall's name is in the Bible, but no, your name is in the Bible. I'm like, all right, I'm confused, but that's okay. Yeah, I didn't quite get, I mean, I in retrospect, I get what they were trying to do in terms of, like, grounding him back to reality, but at the time when I was watching it, I was like, what the fuck is she going on about? <laughs> I, yeah, your it, name is in the Bible? What? I watched it twice, and both times it was the same and i didn't quite get it um, and then he picks it up and he sees the inscription yes and then he realizes what he needs to do oh also john randall had apparently murdered all these women with uh garden shears so keep that in mind for so he's got these garden shears he's prepping to uh to, to go all john randall with but guess what he does instead what does he do he stabs himself in the in, in the eye in the john randall eye and uh it's pretty brutal kind of like it falls right on the bible bleeds and then there's a bible surprise verse. me yeah at all that then they cut to the bible verse that says uh if thy right eye offends thee pluck it out and cast it far from thee i knew i didn't need to write it down i knew you'd have it <laughs> it's a pretty famous verse and then uh that that one's over so that that leaves you feeling that leaves you feeling good and then we go right back into the jokes which i don't think is entirely appropriate like they're really trying to fucking fuck with your brain here yeah that story is over just like that marriage if he survived that, there's no way they recover from oh, that. Oh, he does not survive that. You know how I know? How? Because the coroner opens a body bag and it's him. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Shit, I forgot about that. Which is the only thing in in the morgue that actually ties into one of these stories. Yeah, the last one definitely feels the most dialed in. Yeah, this is... Well, I mean... Okay, let's let's go ahead and finish it up, and then I'll give my final yeah. thoughts. There's because there is more. There is a little bit. There's a poor taste joke that I don't remember. Oh, oh, he has, he has the googly eye glasses on, and he's like, "I see you," <laughs> <laughs> or "I got my eyes on you," or some shit. And it's, it's yeah, that's funny. what the uh, it's what the Blu-ray menu opens up with. Oh yeah, that's right. Singing, <laughs> "I got my eye on you, babe." <laughs> <laughs> it's not not funny. I can't deny that I laughed a little bit when he was doing all of his weird shit. So two dudes start walking into the morgue and the coroner looks at the camera and goes, oh shit. He goes and lays down on one of the tables, on one of the slabs. No, he crawls into a body bag. Oh no. On one of the slabs. You are right. That's what I meant. God damn it. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then he zips himself up after he says, you know, like goodbye to the camera basically so then tom arnold and fucking toby hooper come walking down and they unzip him and start fucking taking out his innards and stuff yeah and this is one of those where like i get the inclination to have tom arnold in it because he was popular at the time but like he doesn't really do anything and he doesn't really get a chance to be tom arnold you know like you could have cast literally anybody in that part and it would have come out the same it's just that it's tom arnold doing this part you know it's tom fucking arnold that's who it is <laughs> i love the idea of saying tom arnold like it should carry gravitas <laughs> you fucked roseanne how could you that was mean sorry she is that a nazi was, though yeah we may, may want to cut that one out i said that was mean but she's a nazi though so who cares <laughs> really a I, I don't know if calling her a nazi is maybe <laughs> taking it taking it a little hyperbolically she said some shitty stuff that's for sure <laughs> fuck you roseanne and, and your <laughs> shitty show that we all fucking watched because we were idiots 
No, it was a pretty good show. It was a good show. Give her that. <laughs> um, for respect, credit where credit's due. Yeah, yeah, nope. I can't deny that one. So yeah, these two dudes just start fucking with him. He They they pull out his liver and he's like, dude, what have you been drinking? Formaldehyde? And then he keeps on like mugging to the camera, the coroner does. Yeah. Every, every time every they time like they, look away. Every, yeah, every time they turn their heads, Carpenter's got something to do. Which is funny. I, I, I love him in this role. It makes me very happy. I don't know why. Yeah. There's just something about it just gives me the giggles and then they're like all right get the brain saw or whatever they call it i think they call it the skull saw skull saw and then he looks at the camera and mouths the words and then they start sawing on his head and then it's over the end i kind of feel like the word of the day on this one is um average like missed opportunity like there's a lot of there's a lot of good here there's a lot of good ideas and i mean what a cast you know like like just horror legend after horror legend after horror legend and it ends strong you know like even though i didn't care for that segment boy they that thing got dialed up to 11 at the end there you know hamill was just going full-on psychotic and then you know culminates with him stabbing himself in the eye so it's like all right you know like there's some there's some strong elements to it but it's undercut by a lot of bad decisions that um, feel like they were probably budgetary, maybe as much effort as could have gone into a few things didn't because, you know, the budget didn't warrant it. There wasn't enough time to do rewrites, stuff like that. You know what? And uh, I did forget to mention that their house in that third segment is the ugliest fucking house I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the house is extremely accurate for the early 90s. I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, that just reeks of 1993 yeah it's that's not a compliment to say that it's that accurate no but but it is accurate it's not it looks like the worst that mass-produced suburban homes had to offer yeah anyways you can continue your thought i just had to throw that one out there it's no you're not wrong (laughs) dude you're 100 right my my stepdad at that time bought a house in a planned development, you know, a planned housing development. And it was exactly like that. Like it just, Oh, you you can just look at every wall and every piece of (laughs) every piece of construction in that place just screams of lowest bidder. I hated it. That that was like, aesthetically, I'm just watching them do this chase scene in the house. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. Get me out of here. So fucking bad so fucking bad ew anyways let's 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 wrap it up let's fucking but yeah i mean like that's that that's my final thoughts is like there's some some really strong ideas that got undercut by a few bad decisions and uh it's a shame because all i mean i enjoyed this movie i had a very fun time watching this movie but i feel like it's the kind of stuff that's going to keep it from a wider audience and i think it's you know like it's the reason that it probably didn't get picked up as a show and it just remained this uh, this one-off. This weird anomaly of a movie, even though John Carpenter said that he hates anthologies, which is kind of funny. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I wasn't aware of that. I'm like, that's interesting. It's it's uh, just in the interview on the Blu-ray. But yeah, it's okay. Watch it if you want to yeah. kill 90 minutes. This is a three out of five. If you're a horror fan, this is a no-brainer because, you know, you're going to have fun with it because there's so many, like, great horror people who just show up but if you're not a horror fan you can probably (laughs) give this one a miss and you won't regret it as a john carpenter completionist i couldn't live without this movie like i'm i'm really glad i watched it i'm really glad i own it but it's it's not his best work but like 
by any stretch of the imagination. Although he is really fun to watch as the coroner. Yeah, that's probably overall the best part of the whole thing, even though it doesn't match the tone of, you know, that especially that third one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it matches the tone of the first two. Yeah. It just, yeah, yeah the third one is, is like, the third one goes way darker. But I think that's it. I think that's it. That's our... That's our anthology for the year. Are, are you feeling a little superior or are you feeling like uh, maybe it's a little harder to pick these anthologies than you thought it would be? <laughs> Better than the last one. <laughs> Mr. Talking Endless Shit about my picks. Well, nobody's ever seen this one, so VHS has definitely been the... No, uh, VHS is the second best one for sure. Uh, Trick or Treat, which... Trick or Treat's the top of the heap for these. Last year was the hardest. <laughs> ABC, ABC's of Death was... Uh, <laughs> that was a rough one it was a challenge i challenged you <laughs> i'm glad i watched it so i can tell everybody how i felt about it and maybe one of these days i can go back and watch the ones that i didn't hate which wasn't very many of them and then maybe one day you'll go back and uh re-watch that segment from xx that uh i maintain is a rock solid anthology entry i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree and on that note <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be done before we start fighting here because we'll okay uh, let's so, wrap it up so yeah how about some uh some uh, social media you can follow us on everything at the shark pod and then there's also that whole patreon thing that you fuckers should give us money for uh there's 2021 the 13th 2022 a year in the asylum next year we're doing a shaw scope the Shaw Scope set, we don't have a clever name for that yet. We'll get there. Or we won't, which is totally on brand for us, but that's okay. Patreon.com slash Sharks Cross Hollywood. Come listen, give give us a dollar, or as much fucking money as you feel like giving us. It has to be at least a dollar though, I think, per Patreon, like rules and shit. Make it a dollar. So we're gonna be back next week with the fucking classic of classic goddamn gorehound zombie possession movies. It's the ultimate DIY horror movie. The ultimate experience in grueling terror. That too. Because it tells us that on the cover. It's right on the cover. You can't deny it. Evil Dead from 1981? I believe so. Jeez. Shit's old, man. Why are we even watching it? (laughs) Fuck. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That movie's awesome. But we're going to talk about that next week, and it'll be be a lot of fun. I'm very excited to give it a rewatch, as I always am. Come back next week when we talk about the Evil Dead, but we're going to leave you now because we're just rambling at this point. So until next week, stay jawsome.